0: hey hello and welcome to another episode of the Southside trap podcast it's your girl Sandra ready to recap another Chicago Red Stars Challenge cup group game with you all we got to recap a loss Chicago Red Stars fall to North Carolina courage on an 80th minute goal one to zero there's some good stuff though to talk about in between the lines some good individual performances on the pitch. And I couldn't do that alone because no one could do anything alone. So I'm here today with my friend, homie, and colleague, Clara Watkins, a.k.a. Skin Originator. How are you doing today, Claire?
1: I'm good. I'm a little bit wrecked, but I'm, I'm good. I've, we've made it to the other side of, like, the worst of it, I think. So that if, feels good.
0: Yes, I, it feels like... Um, like I think you said it best where it's like you know you partied and there was there was maybe like a holiday weekend and you just went a little too hard
1: and now you're just exactly
0: feeling it feeling it like days later but really we just cover women's soccer and a media aspect and are dying Mm -hmm. that's cool can't wait to get into this podcast with everybody (laughs) as we are clearly at top fitness yeah We're going to do this. Uh, You guys, you know, this was the third match in group play for Chicago Red Stars. And they have taken on Portland. They've taken on Washington. And then they were scheduled to take on North Carolina Courage. And, you know, for anyone who doesn't go here, Uh, I think we knew that the Red Stars were going to match up well against the Courage because that's just who they are, man. Um, So it was not super shocking for some of us who are cool and in the know and who have watched these two teams sort of battle it out before and kind of see the performance that we saw out on the pitch. Uh, So we're going to get into these starting lineups so that we could sort of go through first impressions. So for Chicago Red Stars, they lined up as followed. They had Alyssa Nairnette, Casey Short, Sarah Gordon, Julie Ertz, Bianca St. George's to run out the back line, Danny Colaprico, Vanessa Bernardo, Morgan Gattreau, uh Kaylia Watt, Rachel Hill, and Yuki Nagasato to run out the starting 11. Claire, I mean, initial first impressions, that's a lineup. What do you think?
1: Yeah, I mean, it certainly is a lineup. Um, no, I think it's great. I think it's, it's closest, and, and even just based obviously, obviously on the performance that we saw, I think it's the closest – to Chicago's preferred starting 11 that we've seen. Um, I think, you know, kind of building off of the end of last year. I mean, I know, you know, Rory likes to kind of play around with, with the idea of, of Ertz in the midfield always against North Carolina, but, um, I think, again, just playing off of kind of the strides that they made in the defense last year, I think that Julie Ertz is at her best when she is playing center back, and I think that the Red Stars are at their best when Danny Colaprico is playing the sixth for them. So I think that um, – and like we said in the last episode, Colaprico is, is coming back from an injury, but she looks fit, and she's playing really well. So there's no reason to have to have Ertz in that midfield to play cleanup when, when Colaprico is playing that well. So um, –
0: for a I second think- there, I thought you were gonna be like, as we said in the last episode, Danny Colaprico is the shit. Is
1: and- <laughs> the shit and everyone needs to respect her way more. I mean, we know she's like short, but you can see her out there, right? She's doing her job. Um But uh yeah, so I think that I think it was a good line. I think it was smart. I think based off of the personnel they have available. And I was also just stoked that, you know that was a lineup that basically was coming off a full week of rest and i just think that that's really cool that chicago has been able to do that um their rotational style has been different than every single other team in the tournament and i think that it's different and interesting and cool so i like that as well
0: hard agree in all aspects i do recall um you and I sort of going through some ma- uh, like media availability with Rory Dames, who was made available earlier and prior um, to this match, Like talked a little bit about how, again, how he was going to be utilizing this group play, uh, got into some specifics, actually, how he basically planned to bring all these players. And the plan was just to sort of split them into two groups and have these two groups of Starting 11, sort of get out there and get some time together. And with this game, this was going to be kind of what I guess would be considered a a top tier starting 11 for the the squad. And maybe moving forward into group play, we're going to start seeing uh, the team kind of integrate some different Uh, aspects of what they learned throughout the group. But yeah, similar vibe for me. I looked at that lineup and my favorite thing was seeing a player like Danny Colaprico uh, available in the starting 11 with players that she's, uh, you know, been used to collaborating with, playing with, uh, has chemistry with. Um, And you just knew that maybe going up against this team in North Carolina Courage, you know, these were a ton of players who the last time they faced this team has maybe some bad memories of that. Um, in particular, this midfield specifically, because that championship final, um, you know, we kind of saw that midfield get run over a little bit. So seeing this kind of midfield core get the opportunity on this day, I was really looking forward to it. So I liked uh, seeing that starting 11 roll out.
1: Yeah. I also thought, um, and we'll talk about this more as the game goes on because she had a great game, but, um, you know, I think after that first game, well, first of all, I think in retrospect, what we saw this weekend just goes to show what kind of an emotional and mental anomaly last weekend was. And it's a shame because I'm not sure they actually had a ton to really learn from that first game, because I think that it was just circumstances way outside their control and they did not play as well as they could. And, um, Oh, but I was just gonna go back to, I think there were some people after that first game who think that who thought that the the impetus was to figure out a way to get Sarah Gordon back outside. Like who can play center back with Ertz or somebody to get Sarah Gordon back outside? And I just don't think that's true. Sarah Gordon established, you know, she's she's converted to a center back. That is absolutely true. But um she her ability to steer balls out of danger, like she did that so well this weekend where she could make recovery runs, and then just good decision-making in the back, good, calm decision-making, kicking the ball back out to the wings. Um, so anyway, so when I saw the starting lineup, I was glad. I was I was happy that Dames stuck with Gordon on the inside and then had St. George's start again on the outside because I do not think that the ultimate goal here is to get Sarah Gordon back to outside back like immediately, certainly not during this tournament.
0: Yeah, I think what we saw out of a player like Sarah Gordon – last season was her versatility in terms of being um, asked so much of in certain areas, depending on the game, depending on who they were lining up against last year, you know, if they needed her at right outside back, boom, she was there. If they wanted her to get higher up the pitch, she was doing it. They wanted to move her inside, stay further back on set pieces as a center back. She was doing it. Um, so we saw a lot of versatility out of her last year, but I don't want it to go like, um, Unrecognized that you know Sarah Gordon has had experience like at center back position. You know, shout out to the Blue Demons. Yep, she was uh, running center back. You know, when she was in DePaul, so it's not uh, completely unfor uh, foreign to her. I just think that uh, people really like what they saw out of a player like her and her ability. Um, on the flank, you know what I mean? So when you see someone who's like really, really good at like this one or two specific things, like you get kind of stuck on that. But uh, I like that we're seeing that she's not going to be pigeonholed in that. And I also really like that, um, you know, we're going to maybe probably see her in that inside pairing in some capacity as a center back, because I think she's real good at it. Um, But the Red Stars, to start off this first half of the game, um, I don't know, Claire, what do you think? Should we show up to the starting 11 for the Courage? Yeah, I think we gotta. Gotta give the context, y'all. Gotta give the context of what happened in this game. The Courage, they lined up as followed. They had Caitlin Rowland and Nat getting Daniels, Abby Erceg, Abby Dahlkemper, Ryan Williams to run out their back line, Denise O'Sullivan, Sam Mewis, Devinha, Kristen Hamilton, Lynn Williams, and Crystal Dunn to run out their starting 11. And uh, yeah, first impressions of that starting lineup. I thought, yes, that is definitely a North Carolina courage starting eleven. How about you, Claire?
1: yeah, I mean I, I mean, I've said this before. I respect the North Carolina courage's fitness very much. They do not need to rotate um, though obviously they made they made some smart subs in the second half. They're not trying to run anybody into the ground either, but they, they, like I said, their rotation philosophy has been different, different than Chicago's, but similar to some other teams where there has been some rotation, but a lot of the core has kind of stayed the same. Um, Not necessarily because it's like, they need time. I think they just want to win this tournament and they know that they can. And so they're just, you know, the machine is just rolling. So there's no reason, you know, not to, um, you know, but I I wasn't shocked actually that Roland got the start though. I think that um, Steph LeBay and Caitlin Roland are, are players that, rotate with some frequency even in the regular season. So, I think that that um, is something that doesn't shock me. Uh, You know, very good. I mean, the thing about the Courage is that they play exactly the way you expect them to. Like, they have a style and they execute it. And the impetus is always on the other team to figure out what they're going to do about it. So, no surprises. Um, Obviously, the Courage have some exciting young players, but they're not – they didn't really start. Like, you didn't see, like, like, Kari Riccaro or anything like that. Um, You saw – you know, we saw people like Haley Mace and, and um Milieu uh later, but I think that yeah, the courage just are who we think they are. And um Despite the fact that I don't think they played all out um this weekend, they did just do their thing.
0: Yeah, they're a tough team, guys. I mean, that's just who they are. We knew who they were gonna be coming into this tournament. Um, you know, very little roster turnover and a coach like Paul Riley actually somehow magically was able to add additional components to his team. So they absolutely were coming into this tournament as favorites, and they are uh, remaining as such. But, you know, for the Red Stars and this team, when they match up on a game day, something happens. And we saw that happen in, at the very least, the first half of this game. Uh, Chicago Red Stars, I thought, had fantastic first half really good parts of the second half as well. And I really liked that there was an opportunity or two, you know, to maybe try to make something happen offensively for themselves. But there was definitely some smart soccer being played by the Red Stars, some uh, sound defensive shape that was being put forth by the Red Stars. And I really loved, uh, you know, that we got to see them sort of, just kind of break down what Nancy Kirsch typically does in terms of their high press and maybe trying to, you know, isolate individually or, uh, you know, really just kind of disrupting that. And really, we saw frustration. We saw them frustrate this epic team in the first half. And uh, it was, it was dope to see.
1: You know, I wonder a little bit if the hydration break didn't do Chicago any favors in this first half. I think that the courage got kind of put off the front foot for the first 33 minutes. And then, I mean everybody does it's equal opportunity but they got a coaching a coaching opportunity during the hydration break and then um even like Paul Riley said that after the match like they recalibrated and made some decisions um that made things a little bit harder for Chicago in the second you know half of that first half but um I think that uh you know hydration break discourse is not one I really want to get into nor probably are we gonna I don't know are we gonna rag on the refs too hard what are we gonna do about that what do you think Sandra
0: Let's rag. No, I'm just playing. And played, <laughs> and they let, you know what? I Apologies. I forgot the name of the official who who was running this game, but you know, they they were letting him play. They were letting him play in this game and I appreciated it. There were no yellows that were issued in this game. Um, there was some questionable moments. And to be honest, it was fair. The questionable moments were fair. Uh, there were some people who were like, Hey, like, how are you not going to call this particular call? Um, on a challenge I think took place on, on the Vinya. There was uh, prob- and probably on, on the Red Stars' best chance in this game. Shout out, just before I dive into this, um, you know, attack by Kaylee Why, I just want to, like, shout out everyone really quickly who is actually uh, being very cool and paying attention to my coverage with CBS. Um, and if you paid attention, I was like, I nailed the scoreline and I felt like this was going to be a 1-0 game because Alyssa Nair gets up to go against North Carolina Courage. And I know that because I go here. Um, so to, in my thinking of that, I was like, man, there's going to be an opportunity for the Red Stars to be able to just spring on a counter. And we almost we almost saw it. It was about 20 minutes into the first half. And we saw uh, Kaylee Watt get on the end of a ball. She's, almost was, you know, in a bit of a foot race with the center back duo there of, of Dahl Kemper and her And then we saw a little bit of crunch happen. Um, there was some falling taking place as she was, you know, streaking into the box and, uh, Kaelin Rowland just sort of had the presence of mind to come up and, and challenge and was able to get a save on that. And I thought that was probably the Red Stars' best chance on goal all day.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think I think talking about the the physical play and all of that is very fair. I think that you know you look at that play in particular, um, you could definitely make an argument for a penalty because those fouls did take place in the box. Um, but but and I want to I want to be clear about this though, which is that um, I I think. You know, we talked about this. I'm sorry, guys. I'm going to talk about Sam Kerr for a second. So we talked about we talked about this a lot last year about how, especially when um, Chicago was breaking was breaking a press and seeking to counter um, that there were two kinds of play. There were you know there were the plays where you're you know you're receiving the ball in like you can break in behind by getting a ball from Nagasato or a ball from DiBernardo but then there were also just kind of the hustle plays um and Sam Kerr was really good at those and then that that one was a Kaylee Watt hustle play so that she created that herself she did not like fail to finish something that her team had built up for her she earned that opportunity and had earned the opportunity to take it um I do not think her timing was quite right at the end. Um, I think that, you know, the thing about that whole sequence is that I don't actually think either foul influenced the shooting motion that much, despite the fact that they were fouls. Um, So I think that, you know, I think that that's just something that comes with time. And we've talked, we've been very open about the fact that Watt is trying to get back to her ceiling and and become that kind of a striker again. And I think that um, we saw like 90% of it. Right. She did 90% of it. Right. And then it just kind of went a little wonky and the hard thing about the courage is you don't get that many opportunities. So, um, I think that, so it's like good and bad. The fact that we have a striker who's getting those hustle plays is great. You don't get that from everybody. It's just that final part of like, how do we turn this into a ball on frame or away from the keeper, you know?
0: Yeah, absolutely. And then, of course, like you mentioned, Claire, we, we obviously saw the hydration break uh, take place about, you know, 10 to 12 minutes after that. Um, we saw the Red Stars kind of have to lock into their defensive shape shortly before the half. You know, we saw a fantastic sliding defensive tackle from Julie Ertz on Lynn Williams to really prevent an amazing opportunity for them. And it, uh, you know, really helped sort of keep things level as they headed into halftime, and it was deadlocked at 0-0. You saw some, a little bit of dejection, definitely frustration, like I said, on on North Carolina Courage's face. Um, And that can go either one way or the other. Like, you're either going to keep him on the end of, like, being dejected or they're going to go in the halftime in the locker room and get pissed off and and make some adjustments. And I think uh, we ended up seeing a a little bit of that. Um, Going into the second half, we didn't uh, see too many changes on either side uh, for the team. Uh, but there was a, the general idea was still there, I think, for the Red Stars to try to continue and build on what they were doing in that first half into the second half. Right, Claire?
1: Yeah, I think, um, you know, there's always a little element of, uh, there's always an ominous element to going into the halftime scoreless against the Courage, because you're like, okay, so are we going to do this for 60 minutes and then fail? Um, And Chicago did it to 80 minutes and then failed, which was better than 60. but I think that, uh, yeah, I think that the the good news is that, you know, the battle in the midfield, I think, was pretty balanced. I think that, you know, the Courage are just really hard to play. Um, and I would also say that, like, I – one of the – I don't want to, like, get through this without saying, like, one of the things that I really enjoyed, and it's going to sound very obvious, but, um, you know, I think due to – do it, due to U.S. Women's National Team expectations and availability and injury and all of that sort of stuff, we don't always get to see a Julie Ertz performance quite like the one that we got this weekend, where she's just straight up the captain in the back line, just, you know, the big center back who's not going to let, you know, anything get past her. And I think that, um, that to me is so fun to watch and like that, is where I love to see Julie Ertz play and and the fact that she was so effective because, again, I just think that she feels healthy um, in a way that she probably hasn't in a long time. Uh, and, and she also just was in great form before lockdown started. So I think that um, I really enjoy seeing Julie Ertz captain from the back like that. And uh, that was something that I was like, I'm just so glad that we got to see that at least once in this tournament because – Uh, It's a special thing, you know.
0: I will echo those sentiments. Love watching that type of player in that type of position. Because it also likely means that a player like Danny Colaprico is sitting up right in front of her. Right, exactly, Uh, yeah. We got got to see them do some amazing stuff. Um, We figured we probably wouldn't get to see Danny Colaprico for an extended period of time. Although it was evident that she's building off of her minutes in this tournament going from a first half you know, bleeding into a second half and she came, she ended up getting subbed out, you know, and Savannah McCaskill came in her set and, you know, it was a little bit evident that something started to shift there. Once a player like Colaprico came out for the red stars Um, as they started started nearing approaching the the 70th minute mark and they went to you know hydration break you kind of started to wonder seeing the less opportunities on goal that they were getting the the creative chances that weren't being generated there unfortunately that ultimately you start going through your game your different game plan scenarios that you go through ahead of game day and maybe at this point in the game with 15 minutes remaining you're trying to get that point, right? You're trying to do what you do best and what you've been doing really well throughout this tournament is holding your defensive shape and locking things out and maybe uh, try to steal a point uh, from the best team uh, in American professional soccer. So we saw the team try to do some things. (laughs) They did some more, they did some more substitutions uh, for uh, North Carolina courage. And I think for them as well, that kind of shifted, some things a little bit you know you bring in a player uh like for Chris for Crystal Dunn or a player like Haley Mace uh for Kristen Hamilton and we got to see them immediately make an impact for the courage you're talking about fresh legs new vision new ideas and they absolutely were running at the Red Stars when they came in and when the Red Stars are clearly trying to shift into trying to lock things down and you know, we're praising the defensive shape. We're praising a player like Sarah Gordon. I'm also going to take a second to praise a player like Casey short. And when you're getting into those moments You know, it removes it takes away your ability to maybe attack like when Casey Short is tasked with a team like North Carolina Courage, we see her have these big defensive games and it kind of removes her other parts of herself in terms of being able to work and flow and connect and being an offensive presence at the outside back position. So we got to see like if you guys go and check out their heat map, you're going to see where they're at. They're in that final third for a reason. And it was because of moves like this. You know, it's like you're already going up against maybe a player like Crystal Dunn or Kristen Hamilton. Well, guess what? Now you got to do that against a player uh, like, like Haley Mace. So, uh, you know, as, as things started to, to wind down, uh, the Courage were doing what they did. They got stronger towards the later end of the half. And the Red Stars maybe kind of started to drift a little bit. And that happens no matter what team you are, when you face the courage. And we saw an opportunity present itself for the courage in a corner that was conceded late game around the 80th minute. And we also saw an additional three substitutions that were made by the coaching staff. So the coaching staff went ahead and brought on Katie Johnson, uh, Michelle Vasconcelos and Mackenzie Doniak. And then players lined up to sort of take on this corner kick which was played short and the corner kick was played short it was lobbed into the box and Abby Ersig just had all the time and space in the world to be able to get ahead on it and put it away and it was a it was just classic North Carolina and it was just an unfortunate way uh, to go down for the Red Stars what'd you see on that goal Claire?
1: Yeah I mean I think Well, yeah, just to echo what you said, in in general, the flow of the game, Savannah McCaskill and Danny Colaprico are not positional like for like. You're giving something, a big thing up by making that sub. Um, And I just think because North Carolina is so good, I don't think you can sub Danny Colaprico off and (laughs) try to get a result. I just think that's a difficult thing to do. I think that you need to have her. Um, And I think... um, the thought that popped into my head, and I don't know if this is true, but I'm going to say it, is I wonder a little bit with the Courage subs, especially their new faces, not, you know, Kristen Hamilton, but maybe Hay- someone like Haley Mace. So Haley Mace has had a lot of effectiveness in limited minutes for the Courage so far. And I wonder a little bit if it's because. She's something of an unknown. Um, There's not a lot of opportunities for scouting. Um, And and so I think that I don't think that she plays any different than your average North Carolina player, but I just do think that versus, you know, there are many players on the Courage that Chicago knows very well, and she's just not one of them. And so I wonder, I just wonder a little bit if those new elements, especially with players that talented, maybe formulate um, added wrinkles at the end of games for other teams but that's not what happened on the goal. I I mean I described it before we started. It, it just seemed like blown coverage. I don't know whose job it was to cover Erseg in that moment. Um it didn't go great. Uh Dames after the match, I think, you know, in he he indicated that he felt like the substitutions that came right before um influenced that set piece defending being poor and and I don't know if it's just because those subs interrupt the flow of the game. I think I, th- he even meant, he even said like with the courage, yes, it's a physical battle, but you just can't shut off mentally for one second. And it just seems like whatever happened there, somebody shut off or multiple people shut off. And that was that um, because it was a very, ordi- it, it was a great goal, but in a way it was also very ordinary. They did not make the courage work for that. So um yeah, I mean and it was it was disappointing but it was also like, you know, soccer is a fluid game and if some other things go a little bit better, the courage maybe aren't in the position to get that set piece. So it just kind of depends. Um So yeah, so I think for for the for the Red Stars, I think conceding that was very disappointing because you just don't want to give up a dumb goal when you've been playing so well against a good team. You at least want to make them do a good goal, you know. But um also in a way and I keep saying this, but I, I I would shake it off a little bit, you know. I think that some people probably got yelled at about that and they'll do better next time and as part of the as part of the process, maybe.
0: Hacker, baby. Locker, baby. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, this is – and that's how the that's how the game was won, guys. There's really not a lot to go into after that. I would love to uh, sit here and tell you that the Red Stars uh, gave a valiant effort and pushed the last hurrah, but uh, that did not happen. If anything, the NC Courage were trying to get a second goal and try to really punish the Red yeah. Stars and put it away. That's uh, – it was defi- definitely some blood in the water for the Sharks to, uh, you know, enjoy, and, and they were definitely pressing at the end here. I think uh, – but it ended 1-0. It did. That's what it was.
1: <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I think that, you know, we, Sandra and I, have been very, very patient with Chicago's offense um, because out of just respect for what, you know, everything we've heard from the club and the players and all of that sort of thing, uh, but – I did have the thought after North Carolina scored, I was like, well, they can't get a goal. So now what, you know, it's like, it's, it's all fine until you're losing a game like that. And I know Dames is confident that if he was trying to win it, it would be a little bit different, but um, I'm also, you know, from my perspective, I'm like, they can't, they can't do anything about this. And I, and I think that maybe that's just something to keep an eye on for the knockout rounds where if they concede late, I'm not sure where that last-minute equalizer is coming from, um, and you know, TTP, you guys, but it's um, <laughs> throwback. Yeah,
0: <laughs> throwback. There, that's what the team needs right now. They need a good hashtag. That's right. We need a good hashtag to get them through the rest of this tournament. Claire, you know, in terms of just going through each line, and then maybe we'll get into some uh, post-game. Uh, comments and stuff to sort of close us out and preview the next match you know for the back line obviously i think it's something that we've been impressed with you know over this tournament and this game in particular Uh, i know we were really excited to see uh you know bianca st george's get out there again and have another really good game um i'm just constantly impressed by this player and what she is um and how she's attempting to build her, her role within, within this team and, and what it could look like um, in the future, maybe even in a regular kind of season format uh, for them. Um, just good nose for the ball, good ball winner, just enjoying really watching um, what I'm seeing on her. Obviously, we saw some great perf- individual performances by, by uh, you know Sarah Gordon and, and Casey Short. I thought it was uh, a good game good game from them. And um, for the midfield, uh, you know, I, I was sort of had them circled on my own game day notes. And honestly, they, they didn't disappoint. I, I love, man, I cannot emphasize enough how much I love watching Danny Colaprico and Morgan Gattrall play soccer together. I feel so blessed <laughs> that we're able to see that on a professional level. And you're, I mean, and, and Vanessa Bernardo too, this is someone who's been playing with, you know, Morgan Gattrall since like the, the U 20 days, you're talking about, um, playing with Danny Colaprigo since she was a rookie, you know, so it's just, it's been a, it was a real joy. It's been a joy to watch and it was really dope to see yesterday. I mean, you're talking highest passing accuracies of the match went to the midfield guys. It went to the, our midfielders all day. I mean, you're talking Morgan, Morgan Gattrall had a 91% passing accuracy, you know, and Danny Colabrico and Vanessa Di Bernardo, you're talking 81% and, and 79% equally. So I, I was very impressed by their line.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think um, we saw this in the final last year, which is that you can't, you can't break the North Carolina press if the passing is bad. <laughs> uh, like, that's the number one thing, honestly. You can't break those lines unless you're getting good passes out. Um, and that's just the biggest difference. That's the whole difference in the world. I think that, you know, the composure on the ball – uh, was just a lot stronger. And, and I'm not trying to make a false equivalence to last year because I, it's a totally different situation, but, um, but also just tactically, it's true. You can't, you can't break the North Carolina press if you're giving passes away. Um, and I think that they've done that in the past. And the fact that they didn't do that this time, um, is a really good sign. And that also makes me it makes it okay for me to be a little bit more patient with the offense because it's not like they were doing stuff that was dumb. It just wasn't quite – it's just still not quite working yet.
0: Probably like the – I'm going to say, like, the MVP of the game was a midfield for me. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and, um, you know, just rounding out things with, with the top line. I mean, Claire, you know, like you said, we've been pretty patient in terms of the group play. Uh, but we got to talk about the top line, man, and uh, some of the things that we've seen and, or lack thereof. And, you know, we've got Yuki Nagasato, who's probably a player, uh, most creative player on the pitch for Chicago Red Stars, probably a type of player. I'm not sure that we'll ever see another player like her again for the red stars to be quite honest. I'm really not too sure. Um, never saw anyone like her before another player. I think that we're real blessed to uh, be able to watch at a professional level on this team and, uh, trying to see her sort of integrate her way into establishing chemistry and partnership with, um, literally anybody question mark. I mean, that's just kind of rad on it. I, I'm, again, I'm, I'm going to emphasize once again, um, that I do feel like and these aren't a huge ton of games for us to go off of, and we don't have a lot of, um, you know, boxes to check off quite yet because of everything that has been going on and what's impacted professional sports as a whole. But I, I do feel like I'm on the side of that, uh, you know, getting, making a move for a player like, Claire uh, Watt was smart on the red side part because I am liking what we're seeing in terms of her trying to work her way back into top form with this team and some of the ideas that she's trying to bring. I mean, like you said, at best, Claire, the hustle play is always going to get you Respect in Chicago land, and I think we saw that. We're seeing that from you know a player like Cleo, but we really saw it in this game against North Carolina Courage. Uh, but you know, in terms of those two players trying to make things happen offensively for Chicago, there's a huge, 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 huge drop off after that.
1: Yeah, I think you're right. And I think that that's also kind of what, what Rory Dames was talking about, um, at the end of the match. Uh, he, I think he's a little bit frustrated right now with, um, some of the players that have been brought in, um, because n- not in that he's expecting results now, but obviously he's been doing this long enough that he can feel what is progress and what is not. And, uh, you know, they really kind of made, you know, they made this decision to bring in a lot, a lot of players that have varying ceilings in order to try to replace one player, um, who has no ceiling at all. Um, and I think there are some parts of that that I think are working and some parts of that that I think are not. And I think that, um, uh Nagasato I think actually had a much better game and and this is also where it's just like it was the courage so I would love to see it again against someone who was not the courage but um she came in a little bit more she was a little bit more of a false nine than a straight up nine I think that she did a good job of of interplaying a little bit more with the midfield um and I think also I mean the one the other thing is I I hear Nagasato and Watt speak so intelligently about what they're trying to do in the middle of the week. And I just trust that they will figure it out. Um, and yeah, the rest of it, I'm not sure, honestly. And I think that that's also where it's, it's an interesting thing going into maybe the next game. Um, because we've seen some, we've seen some praise and we've seen some criticism from the Chicago coaching staff for a variety of different players. And I think that, um, the real unknown here for me is where does Savannah McCaskill fit in all this? Cause I think Rory said after the Portland game that he thinks that her role within the team is going to be growing. And, um, while also understanding that someone, and I will say this too, I want to say this as well, which is that Michelle Vasconcelos they're being very careful with her and expectations should not be super high for her either. Um, just because I don't think that's her job in this tournament. Her job is to not get hurt. Um, so yeah it's it's interesting to me i just also think and we talked about this a little bit just the finishing across the board um is not improving a ton (laughs) Uh, i would love for them to like hit the frame are you not enjoying
0: those like really long wafting balls we were
1: joking that maybe they should maybe they should back up before they shoot and then they'll have a better Dude. shot of getting it off.
0: all i'm saying is that here is what i am impress- i am impressed with the power yeah
1: of- for sure uh, yeah i want
0: listen i'm over here talking about huge drops off and these players can whoop my ass like literally yeah, take true. their foot and kick it and yeah. be like i would be done because that is how much power yeah. there is behind the ball really <laughs> <hard. Yeah. laughs> they're good at kicking that dang ball uh-huh. and uh we were just kind of like hey man like, what if we just started shooting, not just from 20 yards out, but maybe like 40 yards out and maybe you'll get that, that, that dip on the chip, right. That you need. Um, but I guess in due time guys, you know, we've been been patient. Um, we've been enjoying what we've been seeing. The, the slow burn is, uh, sometimes pretty torturous, but hopefully the payoff will be sweet. Um, Good game from the Red Stars. Unfortunately, just sucks to that, you know, that they weren't able to uh, be able to kind of connect all the dots, right, and goal that full 90 and be able to sort of come away with the result. Uh, but, Claire, I know while I was doing some CBS HQ postgame, you were able to um, hear some cool stuff from Paul Riley on this game.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, not <laughs> – I'm not going to talk about Paul Riley too much on this podcast, but I um, think I've enjoyed over this this past week is that I think that um, – there is this element, I think, to this tournament where, and I think I said this before, before we kind of even got into the thick of it, which is just, there is is this element of, like, everyone's putting coming together to put on a show, and especially for this this group stage. Um, they're really treating it like preseason. Like, none of them are taking this all this seriously. And in that way, um, I just feel like we're getting a little bit of just kind of open honesty. You know, there's there's no narratives. There's no psychology to this because it's so short anyway, right? You're just kind of getting up to speed, and then by the time the knockout rounds hit, it's going to be over in two seconds, so there's no need to do any sustained messaging or anything like that. So Paul Riley, I think, actually has just been very frank and honest in a lot of his availability, and I just thought it was was really interesting. He was just basically – he was very highly complimentary of Chicago in a way that I felt was very honest. I don't think he was bullshitting anybody um, because he basically said that – he, w- he was just like, there are two ways that people play against us. Um, some people try to sit in a low block and get bodies behind the ball and then counter. and some, some like to break the press. Um, and the problem with a low block is you absorb a lot of shots and the problem with breaking the press is that it's exhausting. And you can't, he said, he was just basically like, I'm not sure any of these other teams are going to have enough time to get fit enough in this tournament to break our press for a full 90 minutes. He also said that during the hydration break, he gave Sam U specifically some coaching on how to try to basically just hoof the ball around what Chicago was trying to do. He's just like, get it up there, make them. He was just basically wanted Chicago to back up, to have to back up, keep them honest in the back. Um, and and so, I again, I just think it's so complimentary of Chicago to have Riley play a game like that and have such specific things that he said not only that Chicago does well, but that he actually had to coach his team through. Um, because that means that you're actually disrupting North Carolina's style and you're doing it well, and I think that that's awesome. Um, which Which is also why I just enjoyed the match so much. It was such a highly – just high functioning soccer, it was really good, um, yeah. good soccer all day. Yeah. oh, I also wanted to say that I just think that also it seemed like with Julie Ertz and Morgan Gattra after the match, um, they were both very energized by it. They were not Rory had some things to say, but but That's they were nice. yeah, yeah, but it's yeah. like they were not bummed out by that result, and in fact, I think they were for the first time maybe after having ten days in Utah, eleven days. Like, they were like, oh, wow, like, this feels like the soccer that we love to play. Um, and I think that that is also great. Yeah,
0: no, it was dope. Good soccer displayed played on Sunday, honestly, by all the teams, really, not just Chicago. I thought it was a great uh, showcase for the league. And uh, speaking of uh, coaches, we're going to see a familiar face for the Red Stars as uh, they enter into the final phase of their group play. They're going to be taking on Utah Royals FC and new head coach Craig Harrington, former Red Stars assistant coach. And Utah has uh, been doing some stuff, honestly, in this tournament. It's been real interesting to watch. Um, they have been rolling out in a 3 2 in their games, and they've gotten some different results uh, against some different teams. They've taken on Houston, and they've taken on um, – Sky was blue, the, sky blue? I don't think I was gonna say all rain. They're taking out sky blue, and they're taking out Houston. So two different teams and two different types of sort of ideas, right? So I don't know if they're gonna roll out in three five two against Chicago, but I will say that if they do, I think Chicago has a real good chance of figuring that out and maybe figuring some stuff out on goal. What do you think, Claire?
1: Yeah, I mean, if I were Utah, I would not do that, but I'm not sure they have the personnel to do anything else. Um, I think yeah I think that it's it's funny that Chicago's last match is against um, one of the teams that has played with a very distinct formational style because they can maybe plan for it Um, yeah I think Chicago should just press them like hell I think they should try to make them force them into mistakes in the back and I think they should jump on those mistakes Um, I think Chicago should win this game like I like I said full-on hashtag TTP I think that they and obviously stay healthy but I think they're not doing well if they don't win this one. I also think that um, it's not unreasonable to want them not to get eighth in group play. I think that, um, I know that that's not the goal for the team, um, but I think that even just like <laughs> for the fans at home, <laughs> don't get eighth.
0: <laughs> we're, we're putting, um, we're putting expectation now. We're putting feeling behind it. Yeah, like, exactly. Yeah. It's like, okay, you know what? Everyone's been patient. Yeah. So, but you know what you could do? Is beat this team? It's beat this
1: team exactly? <laughs>
0: <It's our laughs> FC. Yeah, uh, would like to see it. Maybe shake, really, just sort of change things up. Yeah, <laughs> <get a> win.
1: <laughs> yeah, like why not? We haven't, you know. It'd be a new shade of Chicago's progression in winning a game.
0: Yeah, it'd just be like, hey, a win. Let's talk about it. Be yeah. Uh Yeah, I, you know, Utah Royals. Look, in all seriousness. Uh, they've been fun to watch. They've been uh, interesting to sort of look at tactically, kind of break down in terms of the analysis. Um, obviously, they've got a legend in Amy Rodriguez who has yep. just, uh, again, so for some players, they, it seems like they thrived in the lockdown. And I, yep. I'm looking yep. at a player like Amy Rodriguez, and it's just um, – she's been unbelievable to watch. I mean, I was already uh, – a personal fan of hers uh, heading, you know, before into the, you know, into this challenge cup, just from prior years in, in her professional career, just watching what she's been doing in this new formation from Craig Carrington has been, really really cool to see so obviously she's going to be a player that the back line has their their hands full on but you know they've also got some young talent you know we're seeing um craig harrington sort of utilize the tournament to, to get some of his younger players some time as well we've seen uh, uh, zr king you know we're watching a player like kate delfava uh come in for them so she's she's someone to to look out for uh but Rory has uh, gone on on record saying that like now is the phase in which they're going to start integrating some things that they've learned over the course of these, uh, you know, group, these prior group matches. So uh, this next game isn't going to take place until the following Sunday. So there's going to be a large gap of time, some rest in between. So we could probably see a number of of bigger name starters or typical starters and, you know, maybe some integration of players who had some really – good group stages um, be interesting to see if you know in terms of the planned subs for that match if, if we see you know players like like Ella Stevens you know involved in that I thought she had a good uh,
1: showing against Portland yeah, so. I would like to see her again I really yeah I wouldn't,
0: I wouldn't I wouldn't mind um, seeing seeing that happen I thought she was she was good in, in the midfield for them um, and what we're going to see in terms of a top line you know from the red stars you know what is what does that look like and how and what and where can they produce it so uh all those things will will be looked at and uh yeah we're just putting some emotion and feeling and expectation behind it and yeah let's get a win thinking think this is the one this is the one where it could be done goals right goals number one yeah, maybe multiple goals more than one plural yeah. goals and uh, win so I think, uh, that's going to be, be cool. Uh, I know I mentioned LC Is there anyone else that you think should have an impact for you on the red stars on this day.
1: Um, I mean, I've kind of alluded to this before, but I would be interested in, in trying to get Savannah McCaskill in that starting 11 and kind of what that looks like. I'm not sure it makes sense. Like, I'm not sure it makes sense, which is why I, under- I understand if it doesn't happen, but, um, I, I think that that would be interesting. Um, also just again interested in who gets to start outside back just based on fitness Bianca St. George has been doing wonderfully but you know this is her first professional experience and it's hard to do even I think probably three games in three weeks for for someone like that so we'll see kind of how she's feeling um yeah I think right I think I would like to see Ellis Stevens I agree um I would is there anybody else it's hard because all of the all of the Chicago players that have been doing quite well are defenders, and I don't think it makes sense to swap defenders in <laughs> you know late in games, so um yeah, I think that uh, I just think that we need to see more from the offense, and I think that this is the kind of thing where um there are maybe some excuses, there are certainly some excuses for the first game, and also certainly some excuses for playing against North Carolina. No excuses anymore. you gotta figure it out. you guys are pros get the get some shots on goals you guys can't wait yeah
0: you do can't wait to recap that game when it does happen again guys it's taking place on sunday on uh, july 12th i believe so tune in when you get a chance to watch it and in the meantime uh make sure you're up to date on all sorts of great chicago red stars coverage you know claire i know you've been working on stuff working the people find you engage with you keep up with your work
1: yeah there's i mean yeah we've been doing a lot um like on the patreon we're doing like a post i mean maybe we'll there might be some breaks this week but we're doing like a post a day, pretty much um lots and lots of stuff there some some personal essay writing some just recapping some previewing um you know maybe hopefully there'll be some time to breathe do a little bit of reporting this week um and then also i have a big long piece about kayla sharples and hannah davison maybe by the time this is up well actually probably not for patrons but um, maybe that'll be up by equalizer either today or tomorrow. So check that out. That conversation was great. We talked about everything both on and off the field. And I think those two rule. Um, so I recommend going and checking that out as well. Um, because those are some great red stars to root for. And I think you should read what they have to say.
0: Guys, look out for it. Big fans of Kayla Sharple, and Hannah Davidson on the pod. Uh, definitely check it out when you get a chance. Shout out to Equalizer. Shout out to the Patreon. If you guys want to make sure that you're still supporting us directly, you could do that by subscribing on the Patreon. Shout out to CBS. Uh, thanks everybody for the love. I appreciate you all. It means uh, more than you could ever understand. Um, but I'm right there with Claire. You know, we've got we both got work all over the internets right now when it comes to women's soccer and specifically when it comes to these gosh darn red stars that we've been working very
1: hard
0: (laughs) yeah that we've been that we enjoy covering um so much so you can again you can find all that stuff on the patreon with the you know south side trap patreon you can find it on equalize you can find it uh over at cbs if that's what you're into um you can follow us on our twitter handles if you like but you know you gotta be nice we got rules guys you know we don't only if you're nice Yeah, we don't really feel like we owe anyone anything so if you're not nice sorry you're not allowed that's just that's just how that works but you know guys if you can't do anything else if, if you're unable to Keep up with everything. Again, just continue your support of the Southside Trap Podcast. Podcast that helps you stay outside with the Chicago Red Stars. And you can do that by following us on all social media channels, on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, at Southside Trap Pod, with one letter P. You can go ahead and find us on all streaming services. You can find us on iTunes. You can find us on Spotify. So go ahead and uh, give us a like, leave us a rating, leave us a review. That stuff helps us out tremendously when we're trying to produce this type of content for you. So everybody, be good, stay healthy, stay safe, wash your hands, wash your face, wash your everything. Continue your love and support for Black lives. And we will be back with you with a recap of Utah Rebels.